Before you can create a healthy relationship with others, you first have to create a healthy relationship with yourself. Welcome to Let's Talk About It with your host, Dr. Janie Lacey. Janie is a nationally respected psychotherapist, and on this show, she and her featured guests will help you discover and break patterns in your life that can contribute to self-sabotage and unhealthy relationships. Now, here is Dr. Janie Lacey. As basketball players visualize the ball swishing through the hoop and bodybuilders visualize the muscles contracting in a bicep curl, mental fitness is training for the brain. It returns and helps your body too. So when we think about mental fitness, doesn't it just mean sitting in a corner on a carpet, crossing your legs and meditating with candles around you? It can be as simple as taking 30 seconds a day to relax your mind, thinking about what you have ahead of you and planning accordingly as you approach your day with clarity. Well, from the Big Apple, New York to down under Australia, our guest today, who's host Tony Anderson, he's one of the nation's leading voices on culture, entertainment and sports. He's here to dissect educate, and inform us about why our mental fitness matters. Tony is a host for Amazon Live and a formal NBC correspondent. His television and media experiences have taken him across the globe to report on important and historical issues. Between covering the stolen generations in Sydney, Australia, all the way to the Oscars in Los Angeles, California. Tony has interviewed countless notable figures in entertainment as well as in the worlds of sports and politics, including Bono, Beyonce, Valerie Jarrett, Garth Brooks, and LeBron James. Well, it is my distinct pleasure to welcome to the show, Tony Anderson, who is here to provide the key ingredients to add to your toolbox. He will help you perform at a higher level and encourage you to build the life that you want to live. So Tony, you are quoted saying, I believe we all have a story, and I'm fortunate enough to be invited into the homes daily via television and social media to tell those stories. So my first question for you is, what is Tony's story? Wow. Well, first of all, thank you for that intro. You got me blushing over here. Um, uh, Thank you for having me on the show. Um, What is Tony Anderson's story? So I'll start where I'm from, uh, from Philadelphia. You know, Philadelphia, born and raised on a playground is where I spend most of my days. Will Smith. <laughs> uh, from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, uh, I attended a historically black college and university, uh, Dell State Hornets. Um, and from there, I, uh, I had a passion for television. A friend of mine, Omar, suggested I be on his campus TV show. And that's when I first got bit by the television bug. Uh, I graduated with a uh, concentration in uh, uh, television production and broadcast journalism with a minor in theater. Uh, attended a lot of uh, NABJs, and I ended up getting my first job, uh, you know, through hook or crook uh, at Channel One News. And then from there, I went to BET and Sports Illustrated and so on and so forth. And um, uh the recession of 2009, I believe it was, 10, around that era, it really made it so you had to have a, a side hustle. And I was always big into fitness. And so I just figured out, you know, it was a way to make money. So I, I took fitness, uh, started working in a gym 
And I fused fitness with the journalism and with social media. And so now, in addition to the journalism things, I also do a fitness page, Tone with Tony. And so that is the professional Tony Anderson story. Tony Anderson has many stories. That's the professional one. Well, then what are some other ones that we should probably know? But, you know, you you said, um, you know, from your college all the way down to your fitness um, professional programs. I mean, what's been some of your greatest experiences, right? So you've been to the Oscars, you've worked for BET, you've taken lots of stages. You know, what's been some of your favorite when you kind of go down memory lane? Oh, man. Um, Being on the billboard red carpet, I think, was phenomenal um, because uh, everybody loved my suit. And so my sister's my stylist. And so we we found a double, a pink, it it was mauve, not pink, but mauve, double-breasted suit with gold buttons and um, with no shirt and a bunch of chains and literally minutes before the award show. And I didn't know if I was going to be able to pull it off or not. And and I did it and it ended up being in GQ magazine. I was in Vogue magazine, all of the top fashion magazines. And, you know, like Ellen stopped me on a red carpet. A lot of the big people were just like, oh, my God. And then later on, I saw Terrence J and Dwayne Wade wearing the same thing. So that let me know, you know, um, I was on the right path. Uh, going to Australia for a month, mm-hmm. learning about the Stolen Generation, learning about um the history of the Aboriginal people and how they were uh, massacred by a lot of the white Australians in the stolen generation, which is uh, essentially white Australians stole uh, light skinned Aboriginal kids and tried to breed the black out of them. They basically raised them as white Australians. And a lot of the racism, it was kind of like an apartheid thing going on in Australia. And so learning about the history of Australia and just how, um, as a black American, you don't necessarily know that there's a lot of things going on in, in other countries just as well. Um, and so being, it was a 24 hour flight, um, interviewing DMX, whom I love and admire so much. Uh, I was with Kanye the night he said, George Bush doesn't like black people. Like I was in the room and interviewed him as an intern. Uh, so yeah, I, I guess like those that I interviewed Beyonce, you know, I wrapped one-on-one with LeBron. And, and my dad got a chance to meet him and be out that way. So I think those are probably like mm-hmm. the biggest. I interviewed uh, Brandy and Monica and they just had the verses and they posted it from the verses. Being on 106 in part was probably like one of my most favorite moments, though, because that was such a big thing. I don't know if you grew up like like really watching 106 in part, but for me, that was a big deal. Um, so watching 106 and Park, I had some lows too. I almost got into a fight with, um, Hugh Jackman. Um, I got oh, really? what was that about? <laughs> so, um, we were on a red carpet for Australia and, um, uh, he had, uh, Hugh Jackman had just been named, uh, like people's handsome, handsomest man in the world, sexiest man alive, something like that. And so I was working for BT Black Carpet at the time. And so he interviewed everybody, right? And then got to us. And my producer asked him like um, a question, like what does it feel to be the most, you know, sexiest man alive or something like that? And he was like, oh, it feels good. And then like walked away. And I was like, what's that about? Like we just waited two hours for you to come here and you gave us 10 seconds. 
So I followed him. I was like, no, like, what are you doing? He kind of looked at me, why are you following me? And I was like, you gave everybody else sound bites that they could use and you give the black publication nothing. Like, what's wrong with you? And his publicist was, I think, an Asian guy. And he was just like, no, he Jackson has an adopted kid and he loves colored people. And I was just looking at him like, who are you, what are you talking about? And so, um, you know, we talked for a while and, you know, we came to an agreement. It just I didn't particularly care for Hugh Jackman's uh, answer at the time. And so, yeah, it, it's, it's a lot of ups and downs, um, more ups than downs. Well, you mentioned your sister being your, your stylist. So it doesn't uh, take anyone long to look at your social media to know that you like modeling. How did that all come about in your professional career? So, um it, it's, uh, it's it's funny. My mother says, uh, if you if they won't let you in through the door, go in through a window, right? Find find a way in. And I think that is, uh, you know, one of my biggest, uh, I guess, tips is that there's always a way in. Um, you just have to find it, and you have to be willing to stick with it long enough to get there. And so, I always wanted to model. I love doing it. However, the actual modeling world was too weird for me. It was too uh, too many politics. And so with the advent of social media, which wasn't around when I was a teenager, right? It wasn't around when I was younger. It's a thing now. And you can have, let's say, I don't know, 100,000 people are looking at GQ. You can have 100,000 people look at your video on social media. And you don't have to ask anybody. You don't have to audition. You can just do it. And so I literally just started doing it. There's a guy who lived in my building. And he was a photographer and I just asked him to shoot me. And he's like, okay. And we just started shooting. Literally, that's all it was. Okay, so then there it is. So then you were once on the East Coast and then what brought you to the West Coast? The weather. Um, it was, <laughs> it was, uh, so actually there was a job, um, there was a show that I was considering. Um, it was a pilot. Um, and so there was some other things, uh, you know, when I first came out here, Nipsey Hussle had gotten murdered. So I covered Nipsey's death, uh, interview Valerie Jarrett, uh, and I did some other interviews. The Billboard Awards was in Vegas. So I was just doing so much work here on the West Coast for BET that it was like, I'm just going to, you know, move out here. And I moved from Philadelphia to New York, uh, the New York area. And it was just so cold it was just my bones was hurting my soul was hurting and so the job in the weather brought me out west yeah i completely understand i'm originally from new york and uh florida is home (laughs) but what is um you know kind of going back to just the the fitness let's look at uh mental fitness so what does mental fitness mean mean to you oh so mental fitness is uh i believe in balance right physical mental spiritual um my mother uh uh, suffers from bipolar disorder and so i really realized you know at a young age just how important your mental health is right it's it's um it's paramount Mm -hmm. and you know when you really sit and think about it right you go to the doctor if i ask you right now like how often do you get your teeth cleaned at least once a year how often do you get your body looked at? How often do you get your uh, physical, right? At least once a year. How often do you get your brain checked? Like if I ask you right now, how often do you get somebody to look at your brain health? Like we'll look at, they'll test your eyesight. They'll mm-hmm. do your teeth. They'll do everything else. But when do we look at 
how's your mental health? How's your brain with all of the trauma, particularly as people with color, particularly for women, particularly for lower income people, for whatever, just being American. How often do we say, okay, these are the things that we went through. How, how is that health, that mental health? And we don't. And, and so for me, I started seeing a therapist and, and I just realized that it's, it's, it's imperative that we check up on our mental health and that we check up on our, um, our spirit, how we're doing. This was something that I felt was important um, pre-Rona. It's something that is absolutely important now with um, in the midst of a deadly pandemic. So being that you've done some inner work yourself, when you think about like tips that you can share that have helped you and your clients stay positive and forward focused, especially through all the events of 2020 political. I mean, we went through so much last year. I mean, what, what are some things that you can share with the audience? Oh, um, well, for me, what's helped me, um, you know, I'll say I still struggle. Um, I think what helps me, though, is having a therapist, somebody that you can build with and bond with. Uh, I have a black man therapist. And so I believe that everybody should. I, I believe it's actually good to have a few, a team. You know, I think sometimes it's good to have a black woman therapist as a black man, because then you can hear the opposite or yeah, the opposite gender, the opposite sex um, perspective. I think that it's good to have a black male perspective um, as a black male, because they can understand some of the things that you've gone through. And I think the same thing for women. Um, having a therapist, having somebody to talk to, eliminating toxic people out of your life um, is key. Um, if there's anybody on social media or that I just engage with on a day to day, that's not good for my mental health. I try to eliminate it. I actually deleted clubhouse for a while cause it was just toxic. Hmm. Um, so eliminating things that don't, that aren't good for your mental health, that don't serve your purpose. Um, eliminate bad habits, uh, going to sleep late, um, eating poorly, anything that doesn't help you is hurting you. So eliminating those things, setting boundaries. Um, we love our family. You can get rid of your friends. You really shouldn't get rid of family. However, you can set a boundary and say, I love you. You're my family. However, you know, one thing my mom does is she has a limit. So when she's around certain people in her family, they get a two hour limit. And then she's like, okay. Cause in her mind, she's timed it where after two hours, they start to annoy each other. And so she set a time boundary. So setting boundaries is, is obviously working out, it releases endorphins. And um, so working out is big for me. So, um, and forgiving yourself. I think we beat up, we beat ourselves up a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, You have to be able to forgive yourself and and learn to, to live with um, not being perfect. We're all flawed. You don't want to keep making the same mistakes though. So not beating yourself up and learning from those mistakes and, and trying to improve every single day. Um, and I, and I guess the last thing that I'll say is being okay with not being okay, right? Like there are very few people who are okay. Even rich people are being impacted by COVID and, and what's going on right now, right? So it's okay with not being okay. So basically just stopping and taking an inventory of your life and seeing, okay, what's pulling me forward? What's being helpful to me? And then what are the things that are harming me? And and either creating boundaries around the things that are harming you or eliminating that, like as you took a social media sabbatical or, you know, some of the basics, getting sleep, making sure you have a good diet, exercising, right? And getting, getting your body moving. And, you know, sounds like also 
understanding that you have a right to have time limits and not be around people too long if you know that they're draining your energy. And, you know, how I would also interpret that is protecting your energy, mm-hmm. that your energy, you know, we give away so much to not only our profession, but to other people and to replenish, replenish that. It's interesting as you say that, right? Our energy is really all we have, right? Like it's our, our energy is our life force. When you no longer have energy, energy, you expire. Think about how many, like, I like to do exercises, right? I go back and I think, think about how much energy you've, you've spent arguing with people who just don't get it. Like, imagine spending an hour arguing with a Trump supporter and they're not trying to hear anything. You just wasted an hour's worth of energy. Um, another thing that I like to do is practice gratitude. I just thought about that as you were um, talking. I trained a guy, his name is Ken. Um, he's a burn victim when he was three years old. He's burned over 90% of his body. Uh, and he still is, is, he lost his right leg, he, his, the use of his fingers. Mm. With all of these challenges, he still practices gratitude. And so just like I train him, he really trains me and teaches me. Um, we take things for granted. You know, you ever have a cold and, you know, you come out of the cold and you appreciate small things? Like, oh, man, I can breathe out both my nostrils. Right. <laughs> I think we can all relate to that. <laughs> it's like, you don't really, like right now, I'm breathing out my nostrils. I don't think about it, right? But when right. you get a cold and you can't, and you're talking like this, and you're just, uh, and then you finally can do it. It's like, oh, wow, I'm so thankful that I can breathe out of it. So it's being um, grateful, you know, um, uh, that, you, you know, for those of us have legs for, for walking, for eyes, for sight, the ability to communicate, right? Like, obviously, I would like to be in a studio somewhere doing an interview, but I'm grateful that we have the uh, technology to be able to do a Zoom. So I, I just think being grateful um, for the things that we have and not focusing on the things that we don't have uh, is also key. I'm glad you brought that up around your um client who was the burn victim, right? I seen you post that video on Instagram. And that was exactly my thought is that you never know really the journey that someone has. And to see the video, or at least the clip that you posted of um, him doing a little dance and just being in such a good spirit, right? You know, you can't necessarily have seen his smile, but you can just through that video, you can see his spirit. And what a what a blessing that is like for all of us, right? Just to, for you to even share that with us, to remind us, you know, to your point, how good sometimes we have it and we can take things for granted so to really think about all the things that we are coming out of last year with and we can be grateful for and and sometimes it's just as simple as you just mentioned you know so so kind of moving things along here a little bit you know you have interviewed as we mentioned in your bio you've interviewed countless people through your career and you know I'm interested to know we always have a little bit of a favorite so who are some of your favorite interviewees along the along the journey Ooh, uh, so many is, um, I'd say DMX is my favorite, um, because DMX just, uh, his music kind of got me, uh, through a lot of rough times as a kid. Um, my favorite artist of all time is Tupac and Tupac died when I was young. Um, and so to me meeting DMX and I love that he remembered me and, you know, he talked, he was just like, yo, you know, it was, it was the dog and, you know, <laughs> like he really talked like that, you know, and, um, he actually invited me to smoke weed with him. It was kind of crazy. It was a whole big <laughs> thing. I was like 
20 years old, like 19. And I don't smoke weed. I don't really drink. I don't have those vices, but it was DMX. So it was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, so, uh, you know, having um, an experience with DMX was phenomenal. Uh, Kanye West, because I was around Kanye. Kanye was actually really kind to me. And so what's going on with Kanye now? I don't know. But when I interviewed Kanye, he was extremely kind. Um, he he was, you know, definitely arrogant, but he still had a, a politeness to him that, um, you know, I, I I wish people would see. Um, so I don't know what's going on with MAGA hat Kanye, but George Bush doesn't like black people. Kanye was was uh, something special. Um, who's another favorite? Brandy has such a one of the things that I learned from Brandy that I love is I watched Brandy do entertainment tonight and she worked her way down to um it was just some guy with a camera like he literally just had his camera right here was doing an interview you could tell this was going on youtube and 10 people was going to see it um she gave the same energy for that guy that she did entertainment tonight and so i've seen some celebrities who do whatever they do for the big publications and then they get to the smaller people and just don't care or just won't do it. She didn't. She was a consummate professional. And so um, I think Brandy was really dope. Seeing Brandy interact with Ray J, you know, I never got a chance to see Michael and Janet. Um, And so I know I was not like comparing them to Michael and Janet. I'm just saying like, I never really got a chance to see my favorite celebrities as a kid as siblings. So seeing Brandy and Ray J together and just how much they love one another. And, you know, we are in a celebrity based society where we put celebrities on a pedestal. We forget they're human. And so seeing the human side of celebrity and seeing, you know, siblings like love each other, they were like arguing with each other. But it was like a brother sister argument. It was just like, shut up, boy, shut up. It was one of those. Um, I think that was phenomenal. Um yeah, those would probably be my most favorite. Um, Katie Cork and Drake was probably like my biggest interview. Um, and even how I got that was insane. Um, I was supposed to just be interviewing Drake um, about his interview with Katie Cork, but Drake ran And I wasn't supposed to be on the air. This was my first week at BET, by the way. Okay. <laughs> my first week. So I'm going to give you some. I don't know if I told this story publicly. It's my first my first interview, my first week, rather, BET. So I was still new. I don't think I had an ID yet. And so CBS Studios, BET was under the CBS umbrella. I don't know if they still are, but they were under the CBS umbrella. And so Katie Cork was hosting uh, Evening News on CBS. And she did a sit-down interview, interview with the Drake. I was supposed to interview Drake after that. I wasn't going to be on camera. So what I did was I had a, a, a an intern just like film me asking questions off camera as a producer. I was hired as an on-air person, but they hadn't yet, I guess, finished my training. So mm-hmm. I was just supposed to be behind the scenes. So we get there and Drake's running late. And so um, she's like, yo, uh, you know, I, I'm we're going to cut into your time. Is there any way like, you know, um, we can get some more time? And I was like, Maybe we can all do the interview together. And she said, you don't mind? I was like, of course not. And so um, I started doing the interview and the uh, the stagehands, the uh, the union guys, they don't play that. 
they said, no, you're not going to have this intern kid. They actually made him leave. They said, if you're going to do this interview, you're going to do it right. You come here in the seat, you get makeup, you do the whole thing. And I'm like, ah, okay. And I'm thinking there's so many cameras, BT can just cut me out if they didn't want me in it. You know what I mean? Like, so it could still have been the way that it was originally planned. I just get this for my reel. End up doing an interview. So it's me, Katie Cork, and Drake. Katie Cork is the biggest name in news. Drake's the biggest name in Hollywood. And I'm running the interview. And um, it ended up airing on 106 and Park. Look so, at that. You started out big. <laughs> yeah, first week. So, yeah, so those are some of my favorites. Um, that's awesome. You know, so it said that, you know, what separates or what I'll hear often is what separates those who are considered successful versus those who are not is that successful people will do the things that others won't. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering, Tony, what's your opinion after interviewing so many people living out their success and their their dream? What are your thoughts about what separates people that are successful versus those that are struggling to be fulfill their dreams? Mm. And so that's an interesting topic, and it's actually something I talk with my friends about, Emerald Marie. Um, she is uh, an entrepreneur and a host, and she and I talk about this quite a bit. Um, what's success? I think we have to start with defining success, right? It's one of the things that I think that I've, the mistakes that I made coming into the industry is we think success is this one thing. It's being rich, it's being famous, it's a lot of people knowing your name, it's being on the red carpet. And for some people, that's not necessarily success. For some people, success is just being in the game for 20, I almost have 20 years in the industry. You know, for some people, that's success right then and there. Um, uh, for some people, success is just uh, waking up every day, doing things that they want to do on their own terms, right? Like doing interviews on YouTube. I, I started at NBC National, right? I didn't start local. Most of the times you start local and you work your way up to national. I started national. And so for me, it was hard to go back to independent, to doing YouTube, to doing things like that, because I had started on a level, but I just realized like, is this really success? You know, what is success to me? And so for me, I've defined my success a little bit differently. And success to me is being able to wake up every day and to do what it is that I want to do, right? To be able to have the opportunity. That doesn't mean it's going to go my way. Mm-hmm. That means I get the, the the opportunity to say, okay, I want the chance to interview DMX, and I don't have to ask anybody but DMX. I want to work out with Ray J. I want to do a cooking show with Rachel Roy or Rachel Ray or both of them, and I don't have to ask anybody. So to me, that's success. To go back to the the story that I just told you with the the Drake thing, I didn't know BT was going to air it. And so while it was a successful interview to me, it actually happened. I still was nervous and unsure if it was actually going to happen. Well, now I have a platform. It's called It's Only Entertainment where I do interviews. And so I don't need to ask anybody. I just do it on my own. So that is success to me is is freedom to do what you love to do without anybody else having their little greedy palms in it. Um, I have my own platform with my guy, Jeff, and I do things on my own. Long time. Which is a good point, right? Because people define success differently. And then when people get to a place of where they think 
success may lie. They may find that the goalpost gets moved. Mm -hmm. But, you know, what you've described is, you know, I think it kind of goes across the, the, the spectrum is freedom. Right. Mm -hmm. So whether it's freedom of financial freedom, whether it's freedom to make your own choices. And, you know, I think the, the priceless, um, gift of success is having a peace of mind, right? As you mentioned, waking up and breathing and and just probably not having all these stressors, right? When we look from a mental health standpoint, when people are either stuck in the past, we can kind of put that under the depression umbrella. But if they're constantly chasing and worried about the next thing, it puts them in this anxious state. And then we miss the gift of the presence. The presence right? and, and, I think now say I just want to add one more thing to that. I agree with everything that you just said. The present is a present. Um, what I was just say is people don't realize when you're on a show, the producer's telling you what to do, the director's telling you what to do, the studio's telling you what to do. You don't really have as much freedom as you think. And so being able to have your own freedom is key. So having your own freedom is key. And what defines success? And, you know, I think um, as we as we wrap up and get ready to go to our commercial break, you know, that's something that, you know, I would encourage our viewers and listeners to think about. Like, what is success to you? What's priceless? I mean, what are the things that you're striving for and why are you striving for them? So we are here with Tony Anderson, who is a jack of all trades is what I will call him and uh, sharing some of his uh, behind the scenes experiences uh, through his 20 years in the entertainment career. And uh, we will be right back after this commercial break. And he's going to help us with our mental fitness. Yep. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you often attracted to unavailable partners? Feel like you can't stay but can't leave a toxic relationship? Obsessed with thinking about a current or former lover? Feel resentful that you're always taking care of the other person? The Woman Redeemed Therapy Program is for women who want to break free from toxic relationship patterns so they can find the love they truly deserve. This program is a safe, nurturing environment, essential for building self-worth and acquiring the tools to work through challenges and create your best self. We invite you to begin the journey today to start building the new you. Call 407-622-1770 or visit LifeCounselingSolutions.com. That's LifeCounselingSolutions.com. Are you living day by day, nervous, in fear, or constantly feeling overwhelmed? This is probably due to an anxiety disorder. Anxiety disorders can develop from many different factors and can affect each and every person differently. Anxiety disorders can develop because of genetics, personality, stressful life events, and many other reasons. The Anxiety and Depression Association of America reports that more than 40 million Americans suffer from anxiety-related illnesses and anxiety is also considered the most common mental disorder in the United States. You don't have to suffer alone. Call Life Counseling Solutions at 407-622-1770 or visit lifecounselingsolutions.com today. Has your anger ever taken you somewhere you regretted? Have you ever said something in anger that you wish you could take back? Have you ever hurt anyone as a reaction of your anger, physically or emotionally? Let's face it, anger is a part of life. We all experience anger in our lives at some point. The question we need to ask ourselves is whether this has become a habit. What matters is how we deal with it. So, 
Call Life Counseling Solutions at 407-622-1770 or visit OrlandoAngerManagement.com today. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Let's Talk About It with Dr. Janie Lacey. To reach the show today, please call into 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Janie at lifecounselingsolutions.com. Now back to Let's Talk About It. Welcome back to Let's Talk About It with Janie Lacey. We have our guest today, Tony Anderson, who is helping us get our mental fitness right. So, Tony, you are passionate in helping people with their physical health. You know, what are your thoughts on the correlation to, to mental health? Oh, so I believe it's a balance. You know, we're talking about that earlier. So there's a balance of mental, spiritual and physical. Right. And so I'm not a religious person. Right. Um, but I do believe there's something to be said about having a spiritual balance. So if you're Christian, Buddhist, Muslim, agnostic, it doesn't matter. Having some type of center in your spirituality, having some type of uh, balance in your body and having some type of balance in your mental. I think all of those things combined. And if one is or more is lacking, you're going to have an imbalance. And I think it's key for us to make sure that we have a balance in all three of those areas. You know, and speaking about mental health, you you had mentioned earlier, and I think this would be very helpful for a lot of people. You mentioned growing up with a mom who struggled with with mental health challenges. You know, as a result of those experiences, I mean, outside of a therapist, like how do you stay aware and conscious of just the effects of growing up with a parent that had mental health? Because there's no doubt, I mean, children are affected when they have a, a parent that um, struggled with their own mental health issues. I mean, how have you come out of that to, to have a balance? Uh, being aware, I think is key. It's, it's being aware of, um, the trauma and pain, right? So like mental health is, is harder to achieve than physical health because if, if I take my finger and I break it or snap it, I can, I can feel it, right? Like it's tangible. Like I can see that something's wrong. If you're inflicted in your, your mental space, there's no physical telltale signs. Like somebody may look and see something's not right, but you don't know. And I, and I think being aware of the fact that these things cause issues, right? Like everything causes an issue, some more than others. Uh, everything or, or everything that negative happens to you causes an issue. So systemic racism, right? I'm a black person. Even if it's not something that affects me I guess, tangibly on a day to day, it's still something that I know has affected me in one way or another. Um, and then there are things that are actual, like daily that has happened to me or things that have actually happened to me in my life, right? Like um, uh, directly. And so just knowing that these things are there and knowing that although I, I'm not able to see them, I know that they're there, I have to work to unpack them. And so I read a lot on mental health. And again, I see a therapist once a week um, just to make sure that I'm, I'm uh, balanced. And it's an ongoing process. As I said, I still struggle with it, you know, to this day. I work in a very difficult field. And as you know, it's, it's, it's highly competitive. This is a very cutthroat, doggy dog world. 
And there are so many more um, challenges that uh, have arisen that people didn't have before, right? Like, if you were a celebrity, there wasn't cell phones. Like, the worst you had to worry about was, like, Wendy Williams trying to expose you or something like that. But now everybody has a camera phone. Everybody's a reporter. So not only do you have to to worry about that, you also have to worry about uh, now a lot of TikTok things are coming up. And and it's great because it gives people a new platform, but it's just a vast amount of content out there. So how do you get paid for it now? We have bills. Um, So I just think being aware of the fact that there are so many stressors out there. And once you're aware, it's now taking the steps to heal. And we talked about that, forgiving yourself, going to therapy, reading and eliminating toxic people. So I would imagine when you're working with your clients on their physical well-being, if you pick up something, whether it's their energy or something that they say, I would imagine you make these recommendations because you have a heightened awareness around mental health. Absolutely. Well, we start with and actually learn this from a guy that I started working with in L.A. I forget the brother's name, but he has asthma and now he runs marathons. You kind of like pick things from people as you matriculate through life. And um, his asthma, he's a, a boxer trainer and he uh, runs marathons. So he's big on controlling breath. So do it with me. Come on, let's take a deep breath. See, it's just so uh, before we start, we just take deep breaths and we mm-hmm. smile, right? Like there's a uh, trail here, um, Culver City Stairs, and it's a very steep hill. And after we do it, he makes you smile. He will make you smile. Mm-hmm. And so there's a psychology that when you're working out, when you smile, it gives you more energy. It's, it's kind of weird, but it works. And so these are things that I implement. So at the start and end of my sessions, we breathe and we smile. And there's, there's a lot of science behind exactly what you said. You know, when we are teaching, um, you know, when it comes to the healing space, there's three pillars. There's the, and you've mentioned them in different ways. There's the mindset and then there's the inner child work, right? Having an awareness of the things that have shaped us and the pain points that may have happened in our childhood or along the way that we have to heal from. And then our physical body, right? Because trauma is also stored in our body, right? And I would imagine that you can see this with some of your clients. Sometimes people hold stress and tension in certain parts to their body or, you know, the different senses of someone had a trauma around a Christmas tree. Every time they smell that Christmas tree, it can spark that, that memory. So one of the things that we'll do in one of the programs that I run, Tony, is we, we call it box breathing, right? So we'll have them take five seconds in, they hold it five seconds out and become more aware of their breathing. And then when you also think about sleep hygiene, when you're teaching people how to sleep, there's something about helping them control their breathing, right? Because our breath gets sl- it slows down when we are sleeping. So when we're teaching people to have some sleep hygiene, you know, if they slow their breathing in and out as they're falling asleep, it actually helps them fall asleep a lot quicker. So there's a lot of science around uh, breathing. So, you know, helping and being aware of that because it's amazing. And I, I would imagine you see this with people when they're working out is that we breathe shallow. We have shallow breaths all the time. And, you know, and there's just some clarity that happens when our brain is getting all of its oxygen. It's, you ever notice, um, and I noticed this, I saw this pregnant woman smoking. And it bothered me really bad. And I noticed she really was just breathing. She, and I just looked at it and I said, really what she's doing is, I mean, obviously the nicotine and all those other things. Sure. But really what she's, um, I guess, psycho, uh, I'm trying to think of the word. I want to make sure that I'm saying it properly. 
I think the biggest thing that smokers do is that they're breathing in and out, right? So that's what you do. You take a puff. I'm like, to me, you're just taking a deep breath. You're just using the cigarette as the method to remove the cigarette and do the same thing. You know, you get the same thing. You may not get the nicotine and all that other stuff, but you're not getting the cancer-causing agents as well. So I, I think that a lot of times, like the breath, um, and then another thing that I tell people is that when you breathe, really all you have is that that current breath, right? Like you don't you don't know if you're going to die. Then and it's kind of morbid, but you don't know if you're going to have that next breath. And that other breath you took is already gone. All you have is this current breath that you're taking right now. Mm-hmm. And I think it does help you live in the present, right? Because um, there's a saying I have: um, the past is done, the future hasn't come. All we have is the present, and it's true. I don't know if you've ever had things. Do you ever have something that you worry about that hasn't happened and then it doesn't come to fruition, but you're worried about it, but it hasn't happened. You're worried about something that may not come and that can rob us of our joy. And so only thing that we have right now, and then on the other side, putting things off, right? Like I was going to go to South by Southwest before COVID and I was like, I'll go next year. And there may not be another South by Southwest, you know I mean? Not, like how it was. And right. so I should have just, instead of looking for tomorrow, just enjoy that moment. So you, you, I'm, I'm just learning more about being very present in the moment. Yeah, I think a lot of us can reflect on 2020. It just We all had a major timeout and it kind of just slowed everything down and made us really think about collectively what's most important, mm-hmm. our health, you know, and financial wellness to a certain degree and our relationships, right? You know, there's lots of people that didn't have other people that they can rely on, like single moms didn't have people to help them with their children or no one to help them get food to their places. So, you know, I think there were some things that we, to your point, we weren't able to fulfill last year, but it also kind of gave us a a clear perspective, but probably not the 2020 vision we were all expecting to have. (laughs) Not me, definitely. You know, uh, so Tony, in one of your IG posts, you discussed a, a coping mechanism that caught my eye and the, for, for a quarantine fatigue. And you talked about it being fitness, kind of going back to your um, business. I mean, what are some of your tips for someone that doesn't feel comfortable going to the gym and wants to get started on working out at home? You know, I know for me, I like to go to the gym. I like to race. I'm running a savage race this weekend. So that environment, just the music, being around other people kind of keeps me accountable. So I know for me, I'm one of those people that it was hard to work out at home, but you know, so I started getting outside and running a lot more. But what would be your tips for people that still feel uncomfortable going back to the to the gym that they can do to take care of their fit, fitness at home? So the first thing they can do is follow Tone with Tony, my Instagram. <laughs> sure. Um, but no, so in all seriousness, though, um, creating a community, right? Like I always say, you are the average of the five people you hang around, right? Like you won't see four millionaires hanging out with a homeless person. And you won't see four homeless people hanging out with a millionaire. It just doesn't happen. And so if you want to begin to get more into fitness, follow more fitness people. And they don't have to just be famous fitness people. It could just be people who are just 4,000, 5,000 followers who are on a fitness journey. Excuse me. And create a fitness group. And you guys keep each other accountable. My guy, his name's Sydney, um, Isaac Kiwi, a start, go move is his thing. Um, he and I, my other guy, Vernon, we keep each other uh, accountable. And so, you know, these are the, when I see them work out, if I'm tired and don't feel like doing it, um, uh, they'll keep me motivated, right? Because we, we need motivation a lot of times. And so um, the other point, though, 
having your space, right? Like, I don't know if you guys can see it, but like, this is my workspace, like with my laptops, with my, see, so like my mouse and stuff like this is my workspace. Um, being at home, I wasn't really productive because I was working out on the couch, watching TV, create a workout space, get you a yoga mat, you know, keep make, don't let people in, in it, get you a little weights from Walmart. Don't have to be expensive. Get you a yoga mat, just get you your space. Right. And so when you do that now, once you enter that, it's like you're entering the gym and, you know, it's not facing the TV. This is your own space. And um, the next big thing, and I'm a huge, huge proponent of is music, you know, making sure that you have the music. Um, one of my clients, um, she loves Catronata. I didn't know who that was, but I noticed I would put the music on that I wanted to hear that I would assume she likes. She's a black woman. So I had Beyonce. I had Rihanna. It just wasn't her thing. And when I, when she put Catronata on, she just started moving and grooving a lot more. So um, creating a playlist with the, the music that gets you where you need to be. Could be Anita Baker, could be Patti LaBelle, whatever you're into. <laughs> you know, having the music that you like and that you enjoy, um, I think to me that's that's crucial. Or it could be Kumo D. <laughs> you taking it back now with Kumo D, I go to work. That's right. That's right. So then with, with that being said, since you brought up, tell us a little bit about your, you know, because a lot of people pivoted and now there is virtual training and personal training. Tell us a little bit about that. You know, I haven't done that personally. I'm back in the gym. But for those that may need that accountability, what is that like to do fitness training through um, virtual? Well, it's it's with anything, I think it has pros and cons. Right. And so the. The cons, and I'll start with the cons. The cons are, obviously, we are, as humans, adapted to be social creatures. We like touch. You don't really realize how much we touch until, like, COVID, when you couldn't touch, right? Mm -hmm. uh, handshakes, hugs, you know, stretching. We're just very touchy people. Mm -hmm. um, there's no touch. There's no being able to physically, you know, tangibly touch and see what's going on as a trainer, right? Where I can just correct you with my hands if you're not doing something properly. Um, it, it, I'm not able to take the weight and physically put it in a certain place. So, I mean, that creates some challenges. You're not able to physically feel my energy. Um, but with that being said, though, there are also some pros. And the pros are we can be anywhere. You know, I have clients in Philadelphia and I'm here in Los Angeles, I have clients in New York and I'm here in LA. Mm -hmm. And so, um, uh, you know, you can do it just, you know, where are you right now? I'm in Orlando. You're I'm, in Orlando. I'm in LA. And that's right. Right here. So, I mean, it, it, it has in live in real time. Um, and so it, it gives us, um, it's a challenging, but it gives us a space now where we can do whatever we need to do wherever. So I could go on vacation and take an hour out of my day and still train a client. You know, so it, it does help. Um, I think for me, what I've done is I have a package set up where my clients will have uh, bands, weights, whatever the case is, and I'll have them order it. And so they have the same things that I have. Um, and so, you know, when I do a certain exercise, they do a certain exercise. Um, and a lot of things that I do are body weight centric, push ups, sit ups, dips, calisthenics, whatever, what have you. So a lot of things you don't even, especially at the beginning, you don't even need weights for. So it's um, it's challenging. It's different. However, it's it's absolutely needed. And I also think for black people in particular, it's really good to have a a side hustle, you know. And so for me, it's fitness, right? But um, if you are a, a therapist, right? Like my therapist, we talk over the phone, but we'll do a Zoom. 
right? So just because you're a therapist now, COVID shouldn't stop you. You should be able to, in fact, now you can reach more people than you reached before because we've normalized Zooms. Um, if you teach people how to do um, microblading, if you do whatever, I don't know, I'm just throwing things out there, but there's so many different side hustles. Um, I think Warren Buffett says you want six to seven multiple, six to seven streams of income. I don't know how feasible six or seven is, but if you can have at least more than one, if one stops, you have something else. So taking a hobby, whatever your hobby is, and making it um, profitable is key. Yep, absolutely. One of my men- mentors, his name is Paul Brunson. Not sure if you're familiar with him, but he uh, agrees with that philosophy about having seven streams of income. And he even goes a step further that each should uh, represent about 20% of your income. So if one goes away, that your lifestyle won't be disrupted, right? To kind of diversify, um, so to speak. But you're absolutely right. You know, there are a lot of benefits with doing virtual training, right? There's options. So if someone doesn't necessarily like the options in town, they can call Tony in LA, right? So it, it opens up different um, options in that, you know, I saw a, a and it kind of reminded me of the, of the, um, the thought process, this new, commercial that I saw where it was a mirror, where you order a mirror at home. And it kind of reminds me that's pretty much what virtual training is, right? You can use yourself as the, as the mirror for your clients. So very, very cool. But a couple of things I want to uh, get into the life and times and the mind of Tony as we um, start to, to, to wrap up in our last uh, 10 minutes. But what are some of your greatest pain points that have contributed to you walking out your own purpose? A lot of people find you know, their purpose, not always, but from, from places of pain, right? So I have a program called Women Redeem, and that program is birthed out of the legacy of my sister's murder, leaving a toxic relationship, right? So, you know, we have these things along the way that shape us and who we are and our story. So so what's some of Tony's pain points? Oh, wow. This is a very um, interesting question. I think a lot of people are scared to share their pain. And it's something that if you would have asked me years ago, I may not have been able to. Uh, I think now I'm in a different space, so I can answer. Um, I would say first, rejection. There's a lot of rejection. A lot of rejection. You have to eat a thousand no's before you get a yes in this industry. And it's very painful because you'll start to self-doubt. Most people will. Like, am I good enough? Can I make it? Why am I doing this? Um, The rejection, I think, is really tough. Um, Obviously, the pain of my mother. Uh, being a child, um, you know, dealing with that, um, being a black man in America, right? Like we're looked at as second class citizens and, and I've been profiled by police. I don't know how many times. Um, I think those things, and that's just some of them, um, uh, betrayal, because uh, that's going to come with it. I remember, I don't know if you remember being like a kid in high school and they were like, Look to your left and look to the right. You know, um, these people won't be your friends in five or 10 years or something like that. And I was like, you're right. These are my best friends. <laughs> but then as you get older, you know, they aren't really your friends anymore. And people aren't necessarily your friends based on circumstances. So particularly in television and in certain fields, right? Anything where there's high stakes and there's a lot of money, um, those friendships are tested, you know, and those friendships get tested really quickly. And oftentimes they fold. Um, And so, uh, you know, losing friendships. uh, I think all of those things sort of shape um, not knowing 
it's probably one of the biggest pains that I've I've held, right? Like not having a mentor say, like when you come to LA, so I tell people the difference between LA and New York, New York tells you you're not gonna make it. Don't come here, go back home, because this is not the place for you. It's gonna be too hard for you. Leave. So you at least know, okay, I got a fight on my hands. Mm-hmm. When you come to L.A., they're like, oh, no, you'll make it. Come on out to L.A. You're going to be a Hollywood star. Oh, yeah. The streets align with you. And then you get here and it is nothing like. So your guard is down. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't necessarily have people who were able to to tell me these things. And so you you learn the hard way. And it's just like, oh, ouch. And then you learn. And I think particularly for black people, and it could be this way in other cultures, I don't know, but for us, I don't feel like we have that shared information and shared knowledge where one person goes through it and it's like, I'm going to pass this on. So nobody else has to go through this. It's like, we don't get a chance to um, learn from others mistakes. Um, So I guess those are some of my, I don't know if that answered the question. But you, you brought up a a word that, that uh, stood out to me and that was mentor. So who are Tony's mentors? Like, who do you look up to? Who do you learn from, you know, along the way? I'll give you a a tip of mine. Some of my mentors are people who I've never met. Um, What I did is uh, I went on YouTube and uh, YouTube is such a vast resource. Um, Mike Tyson, Keenan Ivory Wayans. um, uh, There's others that I'm I'm just not able to think of, but like Robert Greene wrote 40 Laws of Power. Like there are all these great resources on YouTube that you can tap into and you never met these people, but they can give you um, uh, knowledge. Excuse me. Um, uh, Rob Parker uh, is one of my guys. Um, he was uh, he is a host on Undisputed. Um, uh, my guy, Sydney, we work out with. Um, he's one of the vice president, senior vice president at Atlantic. These are the people who I consider my friends slash mentors. OK, very interesting. And you're absolutely right. Everyone, we have technology where we can read books, we can watch YouTube videos. I mean, we we can go on social media and just gleam a lot of different things from different people. But, you know, in our last two minutes, you know, I want to ask you, Tony, you know, if you can go back and speak to your 21 year old self, what would you tell him, especially knowing everything that you know now? Oh, man, this is a good question. I, I... I would tell 21-year-old Tony is actually something that we talked about earlier is define success on your own terms. Don't worry about what society tells you success is. Don't worry about um, materialistic things. Don't worry about all of that other stuff. Define success as what you want it to be. And um, don't, don't allow anybody else to alter that. Don't put your trust in anybody else. Do it on your own and, um, you know, be your own number one fan and love yourself. And one last thing thing that I'll I'll say, um, you are already successful. Mm -hmm. And and that's the biggest thing. You are just the fact that you're taking this journey means you're, you're a success. So just go on your path. So win, lose, or draw, you're a success already. You're already successful. You're okay just as you are. As you are. So what's next for Tony? What's next for Tony Anderson? What's next for Tony is this breath. Taking <laughs> it day by day. Um, I actually, I train my clients and now I'm going to train myself. And um, I don't know, things are changing every day. Every day is something new. And so I don't know. 
I'm going to fulfill my path of success. And I'm not sure where that takes me, but uh, you and I are, are uh, connected on social media. So we'll definitely see what we have next together. Well, we certainly appreciate you opening the doors and the mind of Tony Anderson on the Let's Talk About It with Janie Lacey show. So we'll follow your journey. And how can people follow your journey? Where can they find you at? Indeed, they can follow me at Tony Anderson TV, which is my main page with like interviews and such. Uh, Tone with Tony is my fitness page where you guys can get the muscles and stuff. And um, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, the same handles. And so, yeah, if you just Google me, Tony Anderson TV, I'll come right up. Well, thank you, Tony. You know, I want to end with a quote from Oprah. You know, Oprah says the challenge of life I have found is to build a resume that doesn't simply tell a story about what you want to be, but it's a story about who you want to be. So until next time, this is your host, Dr. Janie Lacey. Thank you for tuning in. Let's Talk About It can be heard live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Please join your host, Dr. Janie Lacey, for another edition of the show next week.